2: It's 6.07 on a Saturday morning. Sometimes my attention goes in other places. <laughs> sometimes I get here, and sometimes I don't get here. I'm asked many times, how, How? what time do you have to get to the studio to host the Lawn and Garden Show, Walter? And I say, when that little red light comes on in the ceiling of the studio, that's when I'm supposed to be here. Sadly, a couple of seconds late this morning. But nonetheless, this is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia gardener, and I'm here to help you. I'm here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do or don't want to do. I can provide the best excuses for not doing something you've ever heard. If you want to be successful or would just rather put it off till next week, fine. Give me a call. Here we go. 404-872-0750. 404-872-0750. Lonning Garden. Walter Reeves. You know the rest. For the rest of the three hours that we have this morning, I'll be answering questions about lawns, about roses, about trees, about house plants, about you name it. I've got some answers for you. I've got answers for questions you haven't even thought of. If you have a weird question, ooh, I love weird questions. Weird questions actually get put further up the further up the line. Ashley is trained to do that. If it's a question that we have not gotten in in weeks and weeks and weeks, or something that she's never even considered about gardening, for instance, last week had a great question from a guy asking about the uh, safety of Roundup, and another guy asking about GMO plants. I have knowledge, some knowledge about that. I have an opinion anyway. I'm happy to share that with you and tell you why I think the way I do. And I'll be happy to, you know, discuss your side of the equation if you think that is what you need to tell me about. If you need to ask questions about organic gardening, techniques of organic gardening, not using any chemicals at all, I'll be happy to give you organic alternatives. I'll tell you what I think is the best way to accomplish whatever you want to do. Again, 404 8720750 One of the things that I want to talk about is volcano mulching. You know what volcano mulching is? It is when you see a tree that has mulch that's been piled all around the base of the tree until it's up 5, 10, 12 maybe inches up the trunk of the tree and I see professionals doing it. What is wrong with these people? They are trained, or supposedly trained, they're supposedly trained to know that mulch around the trunk of a tree is always, always a bad idea. Because mulch around the tree does nothing except hide bad things. It's like giving bank robbers you know, a place that they can gather outside the bank so that they can come inside and rob the bank every couple of days because the cops can't get in there. And that's exactly what mulch does. Mulch hides the, the voles, it hides the insects, it has the diseases. It gives a good environment. It's like feeding the bank robbers uh, good meals outside in the place where the cops can't get in. You're making sure that there's something always attacking the base of the tree when you surround it with mulch. So I still see, I still see professionals and many homeowners too who think, wow, well, I got all these leaves in the yard, I think I'll rake them all up here. I'll rake them all up, put them around the base of the tree. That's how it'll uh, look nicer, look more mulched or something outside. No, 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 no. There should always be a gap. At least, uh, I'll give you six inches. I'd rather 12, all right? Six inches at least between the mulch and the base of the tree. 12 would be even better. I want to keep the base of the tree trunk dry. That's important. Dry. And not a place where voles with a little metal bites can get in there and chew on the bottom of your trunk of your tree. Because if they chew on it much, it's going to cause the tree to fall over or cause the tree to fail on that side of the tree. So volcano mulching, bad thing done by professionals. Yes, if you have a crew that's come to your house, a mow and blow kind of crowd that's putting the mulch around the base of your tree, go out and stop them. Tell them that nice man on the radio said, don't be doing this. This is not going to lead to anything fun. Do that. It will make me feel better. I'm not even going to talk about Crepe... Well, yes, I am going to talk about Crepe Myrtle murder. I am. You know I am. Because Southern Living Magazine, you know, the venerable Southern publication, Southern Living Magazine has opened their 2016 Crepe Murder Contest. And this is great. This gives you the opportunity, if you have particular shots or places that you're going to go take a picture of crepe myrtles that have been just slaughtered, if they've been sawed to the ground, if they have the ugliest knobs of twigs and finger thingies on top of the trunk of the crepe myrtle tree, if you think that's the ugliest thing since sin was invented, if you want to submit it to the contest... That's right, to the contest for Southern Living Magazine. You can go online and just type Southern Living Crate Murder, and they'll give you the details about how to enter it. I'm not even sure what the prizes are. Not going to be a chainsaw, I'll tell you that. It's not going to be anything you can use to prune a crepe myrtle tree. Maybe it's another crepe myrtle. That would be nice. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 404 the number on Lawn and Garden. And we go first south of the city, down where the, where the lilacs grow, down to our friend Nicole. Nicole, good morning. That's Hey Nicole, how you doing?
3: Fine, fine. Good. You see, it's a lost cause. I went to the uh, county agent yeah. and told the city worker not to do that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> if they
1: could see
3: the base of the pine tree, they would incredible.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's just I mean, you just think of that incremental bit of knowledge, maybe the next time when the worker's out doing the bad stuff, he'll remember, there was that crazy old lady in tennis shoes who told me not to do this, <laughs> and he'll be thinking of you, Nicole. Isn't that nice? Mm! <laughs>
3: you know the problem was, Mr. Reese, nobody cares anymore. That's, that's the main thing.
2: I don't think it's nobody cares. No. I think it's just ignorance. I really do. I don't think this is an example of nobody cares. I think it is an uh, example of nobody cares to know. And because, again, because they've seen it before and they've heard, you know, honestly, because they've heard me and you and all talk about the importance of mulching. And so we've gotten through as far as that has gone mulching is important to keep a tree healthy, but in these folks' heads, some of them think, well, mulching means putting things on the ground, the pine straw, the chips under the tree, and so I'll just pile it up against the trunk of the tree. That's what that nice man meant, right? No, it's not.
3: My brother came this week from uh, uh, Toronto, sure. Ontario, and spent a week with me,
2: uh-huh.
3: and I have one thing to say, Mr. Reese.
2: Which is what?
3: Wo- Women, stay away from electricity, because it'll be a lot less fire.
2: Why? Why do you say
3: that? One, well, i not good to play with electricity, changing plug
2: and, and yeah, you know, inside the house. I understand that. It's so dangerous. Did, We don't
3: know
2: what we're doing. So did you have an accident with electricity inside the house? No, I
3: was that? looking at my brother, and I said, I would never touch that. Oh. I would never touch that.
2: <laughs> what was it? <laughs> oh, sorry. You know, the thing that I noticed, though, is that um, electricity, when you work with electricity, it's sort of a self-proving event, I guess is the right word to say. that. It's a self-proving event because when you flip the switch on a light circuit or something like that that you've been working on, it's either going to work or it's not going to work. It's not going to leak and you know take 20 years to undermine the bottom of your house. It's not going to do something that's very gradually going to set your house on fire. You'll either hear a pop where the uh, circuit breaks or the circuit breaker uh, flips or It'll come on right, and you'll say, okay, I wired this bulb, I wired this switch, I did my job like I was supposed to. That's why I like working with electricity myself. Oh,
3: really? Uh-huh. I have another brother that, uh, he was. I mean, this probably have a high voltage, you know, and he said, I put the screwdriver, and the screwdriver came back in my face and yeah. said, oh, <laughs>
2: I'm
1: not
3: touching this anymore.
2: And sadly to say, I have a friend, Nicole, who was... Three, I think years old and was crawling around in her daddy's office and got behind the desk in her dad's office and chewed on the extension cord there and made a pretty bad scar on the side of her mouth and she has it to this day. Don't wow. chew on electrical cords. That's a bad thing to do too.
3: Oh no, chewing on water? Yeah, yeah. well she was
2: three. You know, what do you know when you're three years yeah. old? You chew on everything.
3: Yeah, I have cats that do that too. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they're smart cats if they figure out what happens before they get electrocuted.
3: Yeah, they can never go back.
2: No, they never, 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 never go back.
3: Uh, if you have a little minute, I have broad, twenty-two I went...
2: seconds. Let's talk about twenty-two seconds worth of something.
3: Okay, uh, you went in Canada in August. We have a lot of blueberry. I mean, ground real natural blueberry. Yeah. they're really close and ground. And we have a lot of Christmas tree. Christmas tree farm. Sure. And he said the plane just. Um, went overhead and spray something, and this man told him not to touch a blueberry. And I
2: said, huh. good grief. Uh, I know on Christmas tree farms, they do a final spray just before harvest because the Christmas tree aphids get on them. And aphids it can be dormant for a while, and there's nothing more weird than having a Christmas tree that you buy from a store here in Georgia that was maybe harvested in Canada. And when it gets warm, all the aphids come crawling out of it all over the floor of the house. You think, oh my God, look at the bugs. And so I know that in some Christmas tree farms in some places in Georgia, North Carolina, and maybe in Canada too, they spray the whole acreage with insecticide to kill the aphids before it's harvested. And I guess that's why they don't want to eat the blueberries. My guess. That's my guess.
3: Yeah. Boy, it's just disappointing because when we were kids, I thought we had blueberries. Not well, the tree. I mean, the one from the
2: ground. Well, you know. Hopefully they'll figure out how to protect the blueberries or maybe not put a pesticide that's that poisonous to us. I hope that'll work out for them soon. Uh. Nicole, I gotta go. It's great talking to you, my friend. We'll see you next week. Enjoy your day. We'll see you then at 618 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back after this.
1: This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News a News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Kirkmellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Come back to Walter Reeves the lawn and garden advice you need.
2: And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Beautiful Saturday in store for the metro area. We'll see lots of pretty blue skies. Perfect for taking pictures of murdered, crepe, murderless today a, a few clouds here and there. afternoon highs in the low 50s and tonight mostly clear again, low 30s overnight. Stay tuned Atlanta's most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 955, AM 750 WSB. And don't forget tomorrow you can pick up your copy of the Atlanta Journal Constitution where they're going to examine how many laws our lawmakers pass that don't apply to them. That seems not quite fair. Plus you get $292 worth of coupons to Mars, AJC. Jean is in Bremen, Georgia and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey Jean, good morning. Good morning. What can I do for you?
3: Oh. Uh, I found a rose bush that I really liked the other day. Yeah. And it's done putting out now. It's not in a bucket, it is in this
2: plastic wrap stuff. Yeah.
3: Should I would it kill it if I put it out in this Real cold weather should I keep it.
2: Where was where's it been kept for the last week, baby Jean? I
3: don't know. It was in Kmart.
2: Uh, let's say it's probably outside. It probably wasn't you know, wasn't inside of men's clothing or anything like that. Uh-uh, so yeah, I think put it out. If you're a little bit scared that it could be tender, even though I know it may have little buds opening up a little, you know, pink and white things coming out of it. If you're a little scared that it's tender Honestly, I would put it into the carport right now for maybe a day, maybe two days, plant it Monday afternoon, give it a little bit of time to acclimate to cold temperatures, but no, it will not be happy staying in that plastic thing there. It needs to go in the ground pretty quickly. Okay. Pretty quickly. Don't forget to untangle the roots. Do a nice, big area, Gene. Full sun. uh, Maybe a little starter fertilizer. Some of that uh, EB stone sure start stuff. And untangle the roots. Spread them out real good in the hole. Make sure the graft, if there's a graft union that's just above the soil surface. Um, Beyond that, I'm going to expect you to slow down and smell the roses. Okay. Thank you, sir. Gene, it's great talking to you. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Coming up in the next half hour, we got Dave in Oxford, Georgia, who wants to know why his cabbages, why his cabbages are not forming heads this year. Adam in Covington wants to get rid of wild mint in his raised bed. Adam, I have fought that fight. I'm not still sure that I'm really getting successful with that. Mike in Hushton wants to know about how to take cuttings from raspberry bushes. You can add your name to that list, 404 872 Back to more Lawn and Garden After News.
0: Rain, but you don't
3: find roses grow when I start to-
2: It's 636 at News Talk WSB. This is Lawn and Garden, 29.7 degrees outside. It's still going to be a pretty nice afternoon. 50s, low 50s this afternoon. Not bad at all for getting outside. If you have a question about what you can do or what you should do, maybe in your land, in your landscape, with any kind of plant you have, 404-872-0750. Adam in Covington joins us with a question that I often get and I'm not sure I'm successful. Hey Adam, good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. How are you doing this morning? What you got?
1: Um, I currently, well, previously had a, uh, herb bed, a raised bed with just herbs, you know, cilantro, all that jazz. And one of my relatives decided they wanted to put mint in there for me, some wild mint. Yeah. And I have been fighting that for the past three years, (laughs) not actively, but just like passively. (laughs) Um, and I, I want to turn that into a strawberry bed this year. Um, yeah. And I'm I'm afraid to plant anything just because it's just going to choke it out or overgrow around it.
2: Not if you are very good about getting out there and just pulling the little sprigs of mint up. And that, honestly, truly, Adam, is about the best you can do. There's no particular anything else other than literally pulling them out uh, as thoroughly as you can, obviously, before you plant the strawberries, but there's going to be some little root pieces left, yes, Yes. and so you're going to go out and pull very diligently the little um, um, pieces of, of mint that you don't want around your strawberries. And what you have to be careful of, and you know this too, is that if you pull a piece of mint, it has a big root system underneath it. It'll pull up your strawberries as well. Yes. So well, take I haven't your planted fingers. the strawberries.
1: It's It's been... Uh inactive for mm-hmm. about a year or so mm-hmm. but it's just been the mint now yes.
2: and so put, I, your, I fingers up up and put your fingers on either sprigs. side of a mint sprig and pull the mint through your fingers so that you pull the roots up without disturbing the strawberries once they're planted they'll okay. be on either side of it but i think just thoroughly trying your best now to clean the bed before the strawberries get planted yeah and then care as you pull the sprigs uh that's all i got and next well, time, uh, when anybody says, hey, I'm going to have an herb bed, go plant me some mint out there, Adam, you say, n- don't. don't. Yeah, that's,
1: that's, <laughs> I've been preaching that since. Um, what about just picking up the, you know, just digging out everything in the bed? Yeah. It's just the mint now. Yeah. Dig out the whole bed, move that, you know, get it out of the way and just clear everything out of there.
2: And put new good soil in?
1: Yes. Yeah. Would so that just be the
2: easiest method. I did that for a particular weed. I'm not going to tell you that story, but there was another very pernicious weed in my daily bed, and that's exactly what I did. dug the entire bed well, up, put all the soil in a wheelbarrow, took it off someplace else, and replaced the soil. Uh, I think that's what I'm going to end up doing then. righty then. Walter, have a great day. Are you sure, Adam? Thanks for calling. You're welcome. 38 minutes past the hour. Gives Mike up in Houston his chance. Hey, Mike, good morning.
1: Good morning i got a quick question out there about uh, raspberry bushes. I've got a number of them, and I want to propagate them. And I was wondering what the best time was for making cuttings. Is it now when it's more dormant or during the spring or summer? Mm. What's your advice on that?
2: You know, the easiest way for me to to propagate a raspberry is just to lay the canes down onto the soil and put a brick on top of them, and they will root right there. Can't you do that? Yeah, I can do that. I mean, that's the easy thing right there, Mike. Uh, No cuttings and rootings and all this other stuff. Just take as many of the canes as you can. Quite honestly, if you have a long raspberry cane, one that's four or five feet long, you can lay it out on the ground wherever well, about every foot or so take a little dull knife and scrape it just lightly just lightly a little bit maybe put some rooting hormone rootone powder on it a little dirt and a brick on top of that and then go down 12 inches scrape it rooting hormone dirt brick and you could get probably three plants off of one cane just by scraping it at foot-long intervals because it'll sprout in between the bricks it'll sprout you know on each one of these places where you have cut it'll make new roots and new growth, and dig them up sometime in. I would guess it'll be midsummer before you get much good new growth on it. But you can propagate, I think, by soil. Let's call soil layering if you want the name for that. But it's easy to do, and it's a lot less complicated than trying to take tip cuttings and put them into perlite and root those under lights indoors in the house. Although you could try that too if you want, if you want to.
1: Okay. And what's the best like fertilizer for the existing ones there?
2: You know, I think that. Uh, For lack of a better uh, analysis, 10-10-10, you can get it anywhere. The time to fertilize is when the leaves are first starting to bud out, and that's going to be another week or three, maybe before the raspberries really start making buds. And so that would be the time to add some fertilizer. Okay. Well, I appreciate your help. And if you see any little, I won't say escapees, but that is the right word, I guess, because you know, raspberries have those little escapees. It'll be out to the edge of the bed in places you might or might not want them to be. So you can dig those up now, if you have any, and transplant those back into where you would like the raspberries to grow, because you'll find some plants that way, some extra plants that way, too. Okay. Right. Well, thank you very much. Good luck with it, Mike. Thanks for calling. Okay. Bye-bye. We got uh, who? Dave in Oxford, Georgia. His cabbages, cabbages have not formed the head that they're supposed to form. Hey, Dave. Good morning. Good morning, sir. What's going on?
4: Uh, I guess for uh, well, last ten years or so, I've had fall gardens and always planted mm-hmm. about the same time. You know, early September.
2: Yeah. And right. this
4: was the first year that the cabbage or the preponderance of the cabbage never formed heads. I don't yeah. know if anything to do with the rain leaching the nitrates or mm-hmm. what.
2: Uh, temperature was the problem. Remember, we had what was it, 70 degrees on Christmas Day this year—some insane amount of warm weather for the fall—and uh-huh. cabbages need a decline in temperatures, pretty steady decline in temperatures from the time they're planted, which is usually six or eight weeks before the last, before the first frost of the fall, so the first frost is usually around November something, and so you were right on the nose to put, it, to put them down in September, the perfect time to plant, and so you plant them and it gets cooler in October, cooler in November, cooler in the first week of December, and all of a sudden there's Dave with the great big cabbage in his hands, but this year that wasn't what happened. It got cooler a little bit, but then it was warm and then cold and then warm and then cold, and all those warm days in November were what caused it to fail to make a head. Wow. Yeah
4: interesting
2: Some days, some years you do good some years you do bad uh-huh, uh-huh. i mean think about if you if your whole life and family's income depended on it that would be bad dave you got right. a job you've got things you can do to make money but if you were having a cabbage farm and these temperatures came what can you do not much and that's All your right. entire income for the years how many cabbages you harvest In the fall, and so you got to think about the plight of the farmers in parts of Georgia. And when they say there's not enough chilling hours for the blueberries to be produced Uh or the uh, peaches or something like that, think about them and think about how chilling and temperature and things that are way out of their control can affect how much their family makes and how much food they have to sell and to eat. Wow, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
4: All right, I guess next year's be better.
2: Next year, you know, because you're my friend, Dave. If you could find some cabbage plants on sale soon, Mm -hmm. it wouldn't hurt my feelings to go put some more cabbage plants out now because it is cool now. Maybe it's a little chilly today, but maybe in the next week or so. If you go to a big box store, I see them there more often than I see them at Pike early. And if you can find some cabbage plants there, put them out. Be prepared to put some protection around them so they don't get really, really cold at night. Uh-huh. And I'll tell you the best protection for them. Boy, I'm just giving you all sorts of information here. But the best protection for them are milk jugs with the bottom and the top cut out of them, just a ring. Or if you've got some black plastic gallon pots, they work great too. And you just cut the bottom out of the pots so or the bottom and the top out of a plastic milk jug and set it around the cabbage plant so that they are exposed to enough chili temperatures, and not any hot temperatures, certainly during the day, but uh, try putting some out and protect them if you think they might need a little bit of protection during the day or during the night, and see if we don't get some cabbage this spring.
4: Huh? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Still,
2: still a way to salvage the season. All
4: right. Thank you for your time.
2: Tell them, hey, in Oxford for me, please. Okay. We'll All see right. you, man. 404-872-0750 gets you in to take each of these collars place, 404 872 0750 experience right here knowledge right here research right here say is up marietta and joins us on lawn and garden Osei, say good morning
4: good morning how can uh, i help you friend i have a question about i have a chinese juniper yeah. that i have as a bonsai and i'm getting some of the limbs that are drying up and I, and i need to know uh what's causing that
2: are you keeping it outside yes and um, no chance there's any plugging of the holes in the bonsai tray?
4: No, it's watering, and, and uh, the water is coming out to the
2: bottom. Okay, good. That, that's one of the biggest problems, I guess, at outdoor bonsai, which all bonsai pretty much is outdoor plants. Um, but outside sometimes the whole drainage holes in the bottom of the tray will get clogged up and then they get wet and juniper does not like wet feet uh-huh. so that would be my first thing to check was right there. yeah um who did you do when did you see it start Jose? Uh, short.
4: Yeah. I say short i I've been uh, doing this about maybe uh, a year now,
2: yeah. And it started immediately when you got the plant, or it started no, just no, week, it, it
4: started about a week after. Mm-hmm. I th- I think I, I brought it in for for a day, mm-hmm. and then uh, that it was going to be uh, frozen outside at night.
2: Oh, you can let them freeze. Oh, okay. juniper is perfectly hardy outside. Okay. So basically, the culture is to bring it home. You admire it. But you put it outside in front of a window or in some place in the middle of the yard where everybody can see it from the inside of the house. Right. But, um, again, it needs to be sort of up on a pedestal so you can admire it. It's a pretty small plant, after all. And, again, making sure that it drains real well. And if it's really hot during the summertime, I would move it back to a shady place in the summertime yeah. because it would well, get way hot and dry outside.
4: Yeah, well, I also have a um, uh, a watering system that I bought at a big box store yeah and i have it set up for a minute of of, uh...
2: watering okay but that really what it should be set up for is to water enough so that a little bit drips from the bottom of the, uh, uh-huh. the bonsai tray, and that's all. It should cut off the minute there's a little drip coming out of the bottom of the bonsai tray. Okay. And it should be allowed to dry out for the next ooh four, five, six days maybe, and then water again until it saturates the soil and drips out of the. Oh, bottom. okay. And that's so the like, watering schedule. Yeah, I'm
4: I'm watering every day, so that makes
2: ah, a there is our problem right there. Not every day. All right. I've solved your problem, Jose, uh, and given you uh, another one. How am I going to replace this bonsai plant? <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, it just started, so I, I guess uh, it, it's very healthy. It's yeah. only maybe uh, two or three percent.
2: Okay, great. That's good good news because you can take scissors and cut out the little brown places on it, right. fix the watering part, and you're home free. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks for calling, us, Jose. All right. Bye bye. It's six forty-seven at News Talk WSB. We'll be back right after this.
1: This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirkmellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter
2: Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by and Security. Pretty, 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 yeah. It's going to be pretty, pretty, pretty nice this afternoon. Low 50s is the high, sunny, clear skies, overnight lows going down to the low 30s. Still no rain at all in the forecast. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Gene has a particular wish. Gene wants a lilac bush. Good morning, Gene. Good morning. How can I help? I
0: received a $100 gift certificate from White Flower nice. Farm uh, for Christmas, and my niece called me from Minnesota and said there is a lilac bush on uh-huh. the website uh-huh. that is uh, good for the South.
4: Yeah. I
0: hate to spend the whole thing <laughs> on an iffy. <laughs> <laughs> an
2: iffy <plant. laughs> that was $100 bucks. we are going to spend wisely, Jean. We're not going to spend it on some iffy plant. What was the name of the plant that they offer from White Flower Farm?
0: It's Tinkerbell. It's uh, pink lilac.
2: Yeah. And does it say specifically bred for the south?
0: Yes, it is. Uh, but what zone are we in? Seven. In McDonough?
2: Seven. Seven? Yep.
0: Well, most of the plants in there, I, I noticed some rhododendrons were were in there. Are they Susceptible
2: to the heat down here. Mm-hmm. Roadies in the right place can succeed in Georgia, no doubt about that. I've got a neighbor with some pretty ones uh, around okay. the corner from me. But uh, lilacs, I have I have some other varieties. You can look through the catalog and see if they carry them. Although, if this is not, high, is the Tinkerbell Is it hundred dollars for the? Plant or just $114 for one plant,
0: yeah. And I hate to do that if
2: it's you know, tell you what, I know some that will do well because I have them in my backyard, so I know they do well. One is uh Angel White, sometimes sold as White Angel, Uh Uh, another one is um Dark Knight, another one is the Miss Kim. Um, let's see, that's three right there. There's a, and they produce flowers? And smell they stink up the whole backyard.
0: Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. You, can I get that at Pike?
2: I Maybe one or two of them. Go on my website. Go to walfordreeves.com, Gene, and just type one word, lilac, there. And I have a list of all the lilacs that seem to do well in the South. And the oh. reason that they do well here is because they have been selected to not need the chilling time. We talked about chilling with a caller a minute ago about fruits and things like that, but chilling is important for plants, and... um if the lilacs down here don't get enough chilling time, they won't bloom. And what I'm really saying is the lilacs that are normally grown in Iowa and Minnesota and places right. like that require a lot of chilling time to make the flower buds open, whereas the ones that are selected that do not require much chilling time do find the ones that I mentioned. If you go to my website and see the full list, you'll see some more there. I think I have a source there. If you don't find them at Pike, you can go to that source list of online um, places and order there. You won't be able to use your White Flower Farm gift certificate from other places, but probably White Flower Farm has something in there that'll do just fine. Well, they've
0: here. got a, some beautiful roadies and and I'll, I was looking at those. If I don't get the one plant, I mm-hmm. could get, you know, four rhodes.
2: <laughs> look for the ones, look for rhododendrons that have catawba, C A T A B A. A lot of A's. Catawba in the name. Rhododendron. No, rhododendron with a variety name after that. Cataba rhododendron seem to do pretty well and stand the heat and do okay in Georgia. So in the shade catawba.
0: though, mostly.
2: Mostly shade. I think rhodies can take full sun up until around noon every day, but it wouldn't be great to be in dense shade. It wouldn't be great to be in full sun, but rhododendrons given the right place and a nice woodland kind of soil, a little hole digging gene is going to be required by you. You go out and dig a nice wide six or eight foot wide area, just turn up the soil real good, add some soil conditioner about an inch or two or three, maybe, of soil condition on top of that. Dig that in real good and plant the rhododendron in the middle, right at the same level it was growing in the nursery and don't let it be soggy yeah. when it rains. And, yeah, you can have some pretty rhododendrons.
0: Okay, okay. And we're seven. She told me that we were zone nine.
2: Well, she was about wrong. Oh. <laughs> she wasn't looking at the map because okay, uh, Miami, well, Miami's closer to ten. But, uh... Zone 7. That's what you look for. That's us. Zone
0: 7. Yep.
2: Thank you, Walter. It's great talking to you, Jean. Thanks for calling. Thank you. bye You're wondering, some of you are wondering, what do we mean zones? Well, every part of the United States is divided into how cold does it get? That's the minimum expected temperature for that part of the U.S., and uh the seven zone which is us is one that's predicted to possibly get down to 10 or maybe 15 in some winters and then a little bit lower numbers on five zone six zone four they're the ones that get colder and colder as you march up the united states and warmer and warmer would be zones eight which is macon and south zone nine which is north florida and down to orlando almost to miami zone 10 is orlando and down And so you look on these labels to find out where your particular plant is adapted. You don't want to put a plant that's adapted to zone seven in a zone four environment because it will freeze its little patootie off. Got it? All right. Coming up the next half hour, we'll talk about peaches, we'll talk about vegetable gardens, we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. 404 8720
3: 750. Back after news.